Welcome to episode 192 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Tuxedo Socks Sharply. Why, hello. And Matt Clean Chris White Casal. White Socks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're a little too Italian to be so clean, Chris White, ethnically. It is Monday night, April 24th, and tonight we're going to talk about the disillusion of Marvel's huge diversity push. They gave it a good college try, but they decided, you know what? We love whites. <laughs> Just like my socks. <laughs> is that Maybe. the new event? Like Mar- Marvel secret white power? Maybe there there was something about something about stormtroopers, uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk uh, Marvel's decision to go back to uh, legacy characters and the guys that made it all possible. But before we delve into that stuff, we're gonna talk housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Very dis- diverse housekeeping. You know? Absolutely, yes, we yes. don't do it any other way. No, we don't. Well, sometimes we do. We let Matt do it from time to time. I think. That's white as fuck. <laughs> McSauce.com is where you can find this podcast, the web comics that we create, as well as the reviews, uh, weekly reviews. Paul turns them out every single week. I saw that you recently broke down the new event that DC's having, right? The button, right? Yeah, the button. Uh, DC's kind of mini event. It's taking place over four issues between, um, I guess, Batman 21 and. Flash 22, written by Tom King and Joshua Williamson of Nailbiter fame, drawn by Jason Fabuck and Howard Porter. And um, I guess this is the light kickoff to how DC is bringing the Watchmen universe into the DC universe. Um, so far, it's pretty neat. Big, uh, kind of a big reverse Flash issue. And number one, and um, like you never really see reverse Flash and Batman together Mm. so i still get a kick out of those oddball pairings Mm -hmm. um way before the new 52 dc was uh dc had the brave and the bold title and then put together oddball hero pairings like that And it was a great book they always got um solid artists and and writers to do it and i feel like way back in the day there was way Back before our day, like, mm-hmm. you know, 50s and 60s comics, it was a bigger deal to see heroes cross over in other heroes' books. So I feel like something like this, seeing Batman and Reverse Flash together, gives me some of that old school thrill. Because those are really characters that you don't see often. Paul, is there any more to this review online, or was that the entire thing? Because that was awfully lengthy. It was awfully lengthy, and it it wasn't anything contained in the in the current review that's on McSauce.com. So if some, you just said it. So I did. I'm sorry you're done with this, Matt. I'm sorry you're bored with uh, comic book talk. We can jump right into some other stuff if you're if you're ready. Ian, I hope you didn't have anything else because Matt's done with housekeeping. Well, uh, excuse me for one second, Paul. I can appreciate your sarcasm. Uh, being quite the master of it myself. However, that is not usually what housekeeping is about. Housekeeping is about, Ian, it's about housekeeping, really. I was just throwing not, it to Paul to get a little flavor of what they could possibly expect on the old site. But Paul have. laid us with a bonus, not just a little taste, not just a little flavor, not just a little spoonful. He gave us like an entree unto itself, which I think is great for the listeners. So Thanks, sar- sarcasm. So, if you want more, I choose of not to accept that sarcasm. Paul's insight to comic books. I know that from reading his little blurb there. I went out and I purchased said button number one. I mean, it was Batman, but I forget what what number, issue number number twenty one. But it was the start of the button uh, arc. So I I checked it out from Paul's shining review. So that's something that. Any of the comic book fans out in the audience can enjoy. So check that out on McSauce.com. We also have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter where you can hit us all up. And I have one last quick thing. 
Uh, every year for the past three years, McSauce has teamed up with Spitfire's Catering, the fan club sports bar, to do Star Wars night at PNC Park, hosted by said Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, this Star Wars night will be on June 8th. The Pirates will take on the Miami Marlins that day. And what we do is we have a tailgate outside. It's in the uh, red lot um, across directly across from the ballpark. Uh, we have tickets available. So what tickets would include are food provided by Spitfire's Catering. We also have uh, some booze, some beer, and some assorted uh, drinks from Captain Morgan, Calico Jack, Icy Light, uh, a whole bunch of different vendors uh, will be providing drinks as well as you know your your non-alcoholic fare as well this who, who wants that yeah um provided by those vendors and the fan club sports bar we also will have a face painter this year and what uh-huh and as always you can get a commemorative button from the boys at mcsauce yours truly so $45 gets you an adult ticket with the food booze a t-shirt button and it says and more you can also get a uh, children's ticket for $25 what I'll be doing you can find this on the Facebook page but I also have links posted on the McSauce website and pinned to the top of the McSauce Facebook page so once again it is the Star Wars night at PNC Park June 8th at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. If you need more details, reach out to myself or any of my McSauce brethren and we'll be able to fill you in on that. Yeah, we always have such a great time doing this, uh, not just because Ian and I are excessive drinkers. Alcoholics. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to get out. You know, we uh, you know see a lot of Pirate fans, a lot of McSauce fans. Uh, a Star Wars fan. A lot of Star Wars fans. first yep. drop by. Mm. Yeah, it's always always a really good time. So, uh, yeah, uh, do your best to come down. And that ends housekeeping. So, what do we got on the docket for tonight? Some 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 more comic book talk. Matt, you you uh, brought us an article from IGN. So why don't you why don't you lay the groundwork of what's going on at Marvel? Well, there was a retailer summit that Marvel. I don't know if they held it or what exactly that thing that they did back in. I think it was February. Yeah, I think they held a retailer summit. And I think that's just an annual thing that they do just to get the temperature of the industry. Right. So basically what happens at the retailer summit, it's attended by retailers that basically let Marvel know what's going on in their stores. You know, what kind of books are selling, if they're selling a lot, not a lot, what people like. And I guess one of the takeaways was people don't like their digital comics being removed from the the books. And the other one was they were not big fans of the latest diversity push initiative that Marvel's been kind of under undergoing for two years. We'll say two. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> Marvel seemed to take it with a, a bit of snark. They they said, and I quote, I believe it was, what we heard was that people don't like diversity. I think that was, and then they said, we don't know if we believe that, but that's what we were being told. And, you know, that was them in typical, like, marketing lingo, basically not conceding the fact that their their latest thing wasn't working. You know, companies don't really admit when they make a bad move. It's almost like it's like they're politicians. Not too many politicians will say, oh, yeah, it was a mistake to bomb that country. <laughs> but, yeah, but that and that that was kind of what was refreshing about uh, DC coming out and kicking off Rebirth because they came out and they were like, eh, New 52 didn't really go over the way we were expecting so we're gonna you know we're we're gonna change we're gonna shift gears yeah. i don't i actually don't remember them acknowledging that the new 52 wasn't 
what they hoped it would be. I mean, that was the message we received in their actions by doing rebirth. But I don't remember them saying, eh, we, that was a misstep on our part. Um, yeah, it was it was the message from DiDio and Jim Lee uh, conceding that, you know, it was, but it was, it wasn't like, yeah, we stink, so we're going to try, we're going to try a different, it was the, it was more of the, we gave it the good old college try. Right. We really put our foot out there and it didn't, it didn't really work out, so we're going to, we're going to focus on this instead. And like the entire message was positive, but the message was still, um, this didn't work out. So we're going to do this, but there was nothing from DC like there was from Marvel this time. That was like, you didn't like it. So now we're doing it different because Marvel came out and Marvel was kind of like, well, you guys are dumb. So now we're going back to Captain America, the white guy. Yeah, that's that is what it felt like with their uh, reaction to the retailer summit. It was kind of obnoxious, but uh, you know that was one guy's voice. Uh, maybe the <clears throat> rest of the company doesn't exactly. And maybe he feel got that reprimanded. Way. Maybe we don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was a really snotty way of kind of reacting to the feedback that he got. Um, and he should be smart enough to realize that the numbers don't lie. Sales are just abysmally down for Marvel comics compared to where they typically should be. And, uh, so based on that, based on the fact that they're not selling comics like they used to, I think their hand was forced, forced to give up the diversity push, which was becoming ridiculous by replacing every main, main like top tier Marvel character with either, a female or a minority uh that i mean is that yeah that's safe to say that mm-hmm. and it it just felt forced that was the reaction people felt like it was a, a forced push for diversity which didn't feel natural and it felt pandering and the fans reacted with their with their wallets yeah, I think that that's the best way to sum it up, Matt is that it was forced it wasn't an organic shift to move some or a few of these characters. It was a wholesale replacement of mm-hmm. the um, the characters, no matter what their... Th- this is my point. No matter what their background of the classic characters, if you go through and you completely change out and swap out an entire section all of the characters and replace them with it doesn't matter what you would replace them with they could have all been straight white dudes with blonde hair but they would have been different from the original versions that we were used to swapped out for possibly political reasons sort of misguided reasoning i think just changing the characters around for whatever reasoning that doesn't actually line up with the story doesn't make any sense. Everybody would be upset with any, if you, if you changed any of that out, no matter if it's a, uh, a woman or a black guy yeah. or an Asian dude, it doesn't like the, the fact that they're diverse characters doesn't really matter. It's the You're like right. ham fisted way that they just changed I, everything around. I, yeah, I agree with that because I think a really good example of them changing characters but not changing gender or race was Peter Parker when they decided to make him Ben Riley in the mid-90s. That was met with some pretty uh, harsh, harshly negative reactions, so they ultimately decided to scrap that. Now, I would say, though, that you can't help but notice a pattern here in this case that that truly every one of their major characters has been replaced with either a minority or a female. And I don't think that's coincidental. Uh, and it, again, it's just pandering. Um, I'm 100% all for keeping any one of the new characters that they've created as a result of them trying to be more diverse. I just don't want the 
the quote legacy characters to go away. And that's basically what Marvel has said. They're going to bring back the legacy characters. That's what they're calling their, you know, their rebirth. It's, it's called legacy. There's ways to do this properly. There's ways to do this that have worked in the past for Marvel, for other companies, but Marvel didn't do it this time. Um, I think Miles Morales is really going to be a long-lasting character. Like I think Miles Morales is going to be like a Wally West. Like he's going to be, he's going to be a character that has you know generational longevity, right? Because of his same with a character like Kate Bishop, the younger Kate, female Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Can we back up just for one second though, Miles Morales? Why do you think that he has that that longevity? Um, to him like what about him is so unique that he's going to be a, a lasting character i think he's had we ain't good i was i was just going to say i think the fact that he he comes from the ultimate universe where he watched a version of peter parker gain powers grow up fight in a public forum and then was killed I think that had a watching another hero and then taking that mantle is Something that we've seen, especially the DC characters, do to a very effective degree for years and years and years. The way that Marvel handled Miles Morales was similar to the way that DC handled that as sort of a passing of the torch, not a like replacement kind of way. It felt like a real story was built around the character taking on this role, not just an arbitrary editorial political maneuver. There's, there's a soul to the reason why um, Miles took over for Peter Parker and Peter Parker's death has reverberations through this character that will always be with him. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think that those are quality things about that character that make it a whole character and not a marketing stunt. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that's, you know, I agree with that entirely. Uh, and it's, it's the, that's the proper way to introduce, uh, another character, a diverse version of the character. Same with Kate Bishop. I agree. She came in and young Avengers, within- um, she had time to, Time to grow, time to gain her own audience, you know, time to just a slow burn introduction into being a part of the Marvel Universe. It's not a force fed kind of thing. Like, right. I know a lot of people like Kamala Khan, but that was shoved down a lot of people's throat. Like, it was just like, oh, here we go. No, no kind of lead in, no kind of real reasoning why this is going to happen. Like, we're just yeah, throwing this character into a role. And that's the, for me, that's the biggest problem with these with these characters. It, it's not like it, it wasn't a, um, eighties teen Titans situation where characters like Dick Grayson and Donna Troy and Wally West had been around for a little bit and they had already been legacy characters and they decided to get them together. It's like, Hey, here's your new heroes. Here they are. And you know, they're like, Hey, here's Riri Williams. She's the new iron man. And you're like, Oh, what happened to the old iron man? It doesn't matter. This is your new Iron Man. And this is where Marvel fucked up because Marvel says, here are all your new heroes and if you don't like them more than you like the old ones, well then you're sexist and you're racist and, that's and you're how a they, piece of shit. And that's how they maybe not quite so blatantly presented it last summer or fall whenever they had the two, they had the two spreads of all the heroes lined up and it was Kamala Khan and Riri Williams and Amadeus Cho and... Uh, the one bounty hunter guy who yeah, it was when I don't they were know. promoting when they were promoting. It I was, believe it was all new, all, all yeah, always new, now. always different, forever. The America, America Chavez was that her name? Like yeah, America everyone, Chavez is like a uh, Captain Jane America. Foster Thor was in there. Every yeah. everybody different was in there, and there was like, and the push for that was, this is your new universe. Here it comes, like and. There, but there was no. Do you remember that preview book, Paul? 
Do you remember when we read? Uh, yeah, we read the little like the intro to it on how the lines between good and evil is going to be more blurred than ever before, and they're introducing new characters. This is the most exciting time in Marvel. That was just like a year ago, and now they're just like. Yeah, that was kind of a disaster. Well, yeah, because sales have sucked. But we read it and we laughed at it. We we're like, this is going to fail. Like, we knew. How do we know? We're I lifelong mean, comic book fans. Just, but, it's it's like it's like how I knew the fate of the Minnesota Wild before playoffs started. How did all those fucking <laughs> columnists not understand that that Minnesota Wild team is junk? Like, how did Marvel Minnesota Comics not Wild know? is the America Chavez right. How did the they NHL? not know that that all-new, all-different team was junk? Like, you're come on, come on, you can't, you can't do that. And I'm all for, I'm all for diversity. I'm all for a wide breadth of different characters, but it's got to be, it's got to be natural. It needs to be organic. It can't just be boom, done. Here's no one you recognize. You better like them. Yeah, and if you don't like them, then we'll call you out on social media as being a Neanderthal, and you're just you're what's wrong with comic books, and that's you why know, comic I've, books, you know, get out of your mother's basement. Well, no, you just took all of the heroes that I spent a long time liking and just rep- arbitrarily replaced them, and then told me that I was an asshole if I didn't like them. Yeah, I well, they're not the heroes that I well, liked. Another one of the criticisms wasn't just that they replaced heroes with other characters which is important because that just goes to show that we we form a bond and a connection with the character underneath the mask you know it's not yeah. it's not the name that we love it's it's the actual character that is built upon that that somehow resonates with us but beyond that i think uh I lo- oh crap i lost my train of thought um i don't remember what i was saying paul take it from what you were saying? No, just come up with something else because I, I, I lost my train um, of thought. Like, I've it, been pretty hard on Duke Thomas, the right. Scott Snyder addition to the Batman universe. Uh, new black kid, uh, we see Batman take him in after uh, it, uh, his parents get killed in uh, Death of the Family. Revenge I, of the Family? What's that fucking Revenge story of the Family. It wasn't Revenge of the Family. Death of, it was Death, Death of, the, of family. the Family. Death of the Family. Yes. I got it right the first time. I liked Revenge. Um, you know, we see, I changed it. We see his parents family. get killed in that. So, like, we see the slow build of Duke Thomas into the next Robin, but not really Robin. Um, I don't even know if he has. He's, a he doesn't. He's just Duke Thomas. He's which just Duke Thomas. I think it's kind of stupid. But he has a. Um, yeah, it, it it it's it's kind of silly, but I'm not against Duke Thomas the character. I don't think there need to be any more characters added to the Batman universe. It's rough, um, but as far the way they're, I mean, they're really doing a slow burn for Duke Thomas. He's a new young black kid from the streets. You know, he crosses off a couple you know diversity checkpoints and. They're just slow burning him, and it's it's working. He's not he's not intrusive, he's not abrasive, he's not pushed to the front of these stories. Um, you know, he is a you know he's respectful of Bruce and what the bat team's doing. He's learning, and like at some point in a few years, when he takes a bigger role in the DC universe, it's not going to be such a shock to the system because you will have gotten the slow burn from him. It's not like, you know, oh my God, Squirrel Girl's leading all of the new (laughs) X-Men. Even though she's been around for a while, she's she's really, really coming to power in this current zeitgeist. And it's like, says says who? Says what? Says marketing? Marketing's the thing that's going yeah. to tell me what books that I should love, which books are my new favorites. Well, I... It like, would, it's I'm kinda, just silly. To, I'm kind of satisfied. Like, uh, kind of. I am so satisfied with Marvel going back on all this fucking bullshit that we knew wouldn't work. I love being right when the bigwigs think they're going to be right and they're not but us fucking dummies are right if they wanted to do this in a genuine fashion they totally could there are young avengers characters that like america chavez started off as a young avengers character and that was a great book and you can slowly was she 
She was. Who was she? She was like she was she was like in the second generation of oh. the Young Avengers books. Does that count? I mean, uh, well, yeah, I guess. Kinda, I mean, it sorta. was five years ago. Yeah. It wasn't like... Re- five years? Young Avengers was forever ago. Yeah, it was like 10 years ago. They they kept making Young yeah. Avengers books, though. Like, there was a... Who's the artist that was drawing that originally? Originally, it was... Oliver Koipel, right? I thought it was With Jimmy an- Chung. I Jimmy thought Chung, it was Jimmy Chung, it. too. Jimmy and Chung Alan Heinberg was the writer. I always get Alan Jimmy, was the writer. Jimmy Chung and Oliver Koipel. They're very similar. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I remember what I was going to say before. One of the big things, aside from the fact that they're swapping out characters for new characters and just keeping the same costume on them, Mm -hmm. is uh, people were reacting negatively to the stories. People weren't enjoying the stories. You know, like even, you know, they kept Spider-Man. He's still Spider-Man, but is he really... You know, those weren't good Spider-Man stories. That's a great point, Matt. Peter Parker, it's the same, you know, Spider-Man, but he's not he's not sort of like the uh lovable loser, is if that's fair. They like replaced Peter, him with, with Miles, which gets me a little bit back who to is well, the lovable well, loser. He, well, no, I'm what I'm saying is even whenever they had Peter Parker in the universe, he was like a rich, you know, tech genius. Right. And that's not Peter Parker at all. I fell off because that's not a Peter Parker that I recognize. Well, right, right. Well, I think I fell off after Brand New Day where they like undid a lot of things that made Peter Parker Peter Parker and right. things just continued to spiral out of control. But that brings me back to Miles Morales, who I actually liked what I've read of him so far. But if Peter Parker is going to go back to basics, back to his legacy kind of persona where he is the more street level character. He is the lovable loser. Is there a place for Miles Morales to exist? Do we need two of them? I, I think because there is. I, Have you ever read Spider-Man? Like that's uh, a great sort of like Spider-Man oh, yeah. with the sidekick. No, I know you loved that one. Yeah, you um, didn't like it though. Well, I never read I think I may have read the first one or maybe the first two, but here's the thing. Um and I'm kind of not on board with keeping Miles, not because I dislike the character, mainly because I don't think there's a place for him if Peter Parker is the Spider-Man that I want him to be. I completely agree with you, Ian, about Miles making sense and feeling like a worthy successor to Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. I see what you Yeah. Now... I'm a little sensitive to this issue because one, Peter, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is like one of my favorite comic book characters, if not my favorite comic book character. And number two, um, I hate other dimensional stuff. So when you bring a, a, a character from That's another... That's been documented on this podcast. If you bring a character from one dimension and put it in our dimension, mm-hmm. plus you start fucking with Spider-Man on top of that... I'm a little bit apprehensive. So I just, I don't know if there's a place for him. Maybe his time has come. Um, I think you could even just move Miles to another city. Like everything doesn't have to be in New York, people. Move him to another city. This is Marvel. There are no other cities. (laughs) Move Miles Morales to To another city. To to Pittsburgh. That would be great. He's not Firestorm. I love that. And you could still have Peter Parker maybe acting as a mentor. I think that that's a good progression of Peter Parker. I always liked that uh, time frame when Peter Parker was a school teacher and he was trying to yes. teach kids in his Straczynski same... wrote that, right. that stuff. Yeah, and, and I feel like Miles would be a good... Sort of like uh, a good character for Peter to mentor. That would that would work well for both of those characters. Maybe they don't have to both inhabit New York City, but you know, put them in L.A. L.A. is a big place. Spider Man, that'd be fun. I like it. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess. I, so. I, I, I guess they're like, well, we can't do we can't do what Spider Man does in a city where there's not a billion tall buildings where he can swing from all the time. Chicago, but, Chicago. Yeah, put him in. Right? I mean, they're. Windy City, blow them all around. Put them in fucking Toronto. Toronto is like one of the top so many cities. How about Japan? Well, that that might be be fun. They already they already have Keenan Kong, the Chinese Superman. Well, what what was the Spider Man? (laughs) (laughs) Keenan Kong. He's multi multi country. Whoa! Whoa! In Japan, what would Miles' name be? 
Miles Morales. If he was in Japan, wouldn't he have to be the Spider-Man from the weird Spider-Man that controlled the robot and he would have the wristband? Like, that Spider-Man exists in He would be Spider-verse. the Spider-Man with a sex doll that fires her titty missiles. Because that's <laughs> what they do in And his mask would Japan. be used women's panties gotten right. out of a the vending machine. Vending machine. Um, speaking uh, of Spider-Man... Not- <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You guys are the worst. You kind of said it, Ian. Like, you're the one that loudly proclaimed it. You I just guys, asked the question. You guys were deep in thought trying to figure out what it would be, and I just happened to know. <laughs> you just happened to know. You had that on the docket. I speak uh, Japanese, so. <laughs> That's how they speak. It, sound, it sounds like it. I'm, f- uh, I'm fluent so, in Japanese. So, speaking of Spider Man, uh, before we get right back into legacy talk. Did you see that this week the Ben Riley comic book is coming out? So uh, is, I did is, not. Is this going to be a this is going to be a third Spider-Man? Yeah. Aren't aren't there already isn't there a Spider-Man 2099 still There's around? There's 2099. There is was that Kane. In, is 2099 still in 2099? Or uh, or did he come no, to I think present came, day? Well, a lot of the Spider-Men came to this version of earth in the spider-verse miniseries which was pretty good you get to see all the difference but i know you hate it matt yeah but i liked it it was fun to dimensional see. garbage it was fun to see you know cosmic spider-man and don't need to see him together the uh aforementioned japanese spider-man with the big robot and the wristband yeah it had them all yeah it was cool i liked it it had pig spider-man peter spider hand yeah, Peter Spider Porker, Han. because Peter they Porker. were all intended gonna call Peter to coexist. Winker, but that's wrong. <laughs> I don't know. You you don't know how to have fun, Matt. Come on, Peter Peter P- Porker. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be written by Peter David and drawn by Mark Bagley. You know, big time Spider Man contributor. Mm-hmm. Maybe like I don't know. Has has there been another artist that has drawn more Spider Man than Mark Bagley? I don't think so. Yes. John Romita Jr. because he drew him in the 80s and then he drew him in the 2000s. Yeah, but Bagley drew him for longer. Um, If you count may- Ultimate Spider-Man. You, you might be right, but I think that that would be the closest one because Romita drew him for a long period in the 1980s whenever his style was exactly like his dad's. Yeah, but it, it wasn't that long and it wasn't all that long he went from what, like the kind of like late-ish 90s into the early 2000s? But Who, like... Ramita? Yeah, no, Ramita, Ramita Jr. did like... Ramita Jr. did like mid-80s and then left and then came back to do late 90s, early 2000s to mid-2000s. I don't even remember him drawing it in the late 80s. He, But he did, but I'm it wasn't... I'm saying he didn't. It wasn't as dis- it wasn't his distinctive style. Yeah, I think he went from Amazing Spider-Man, and I don't know how long the run was, but then he went on to do Uncanny X-Men, and again his style was like, and he also came yeah. back to Uncanny X-Men in the mid '90s. So but Bagley, he had a bunch of but Bagley did it from like, what was it about '94, '93? To he did he did he no, did it from '90 he had to '92 two. And then he did it all the way up till probably 97. And then in 2000, he started on Ultimate and he and did, did it that. for 100 issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, nobody can touch Bagley. Bagley might be. He's definitely, I know for a fact that him and Bendis have the longest run on Spider Man as a writer and artist team. Okay. Well, anyway, he's drawing Ben Riley. So why is Ben Riley? I'm I'm interested. You don't like Miles Morales all that much, uh, but Ben Riley seems to be somebody that kind of gets your spider juices flowing. Why is that? Well, I didn't like him at the time because they treated him like a replacement to Peter Parker. Then I, you know, I didn't like it. Then they realized people didn't like it and mm-hmm. they decided, you know what? He's kind of, we don't need him. They reverted back to Peter Parker being the original Spider-Man, and then they killed off Ben Riley. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, Ben Riley was a clone of Peter Parker that was long thought dead, and then he showed up years and years later, 
And as it turned out, he was the one true original Spider-Man. But as the story progressed, then it turned out, no, he's not. Peter Parker was the original. And if that's confusing, you have no idea. So the thing is, I didn't like him at the time. Then I saw that they're bringing him back. And I'm a big sucker for nostalgia, number one. Number two, Spider-Man has been broken for 10 years. So seeing... A Spider-Man in a more pure form, a Spider-Man that seems to be closer to Peter Parker. This is a clone of him, after all. Written by Peter David, a quality comic book writer, and then drawn by one of the... The, the quintessential, the, we right. can even say. That has me intrigued. That has me interested. I, I think it's weird that you don't like alternate dimension stuff, but I feel that this clone business is more of a fr an affront to the actual story of Spider-Man than pulling in a different dimensional... I think that's absurd. Uh, well, I don't know. It seems like a... Clone stuff always seems like a real lazy gotcha. Yeah, it kind is. Of thing. I, it is, but <laughs> interdimensional crap. Come on, man! You're just that's, building a different world. I mean, that's such a cop out, though. It's like, yeah, we don't like Crisis this on Infinite Earths, is and that, I was, hate it. That was that. So I that's a cop out. Yeah, hate all that stuff. Hate it. Hate it. Couldn't hate it more than I do because I hate it. You don't to like the any Elseworlds thing. You don't like what if stories. You don't like the Twilight Zone. Are you a Nazi? What the fuck? Come on, Matt. Not sure how you got that. <laughs> you made that leap, but uh, you, you don't know, like any of that stuff. Serious. Elseworld stuff. I kind of do dig Elseworld stuff. Yeah, but it never felt like oh, in another dimension. It just kind of like felt like an Elseworlds thing. Like there's absolutely no tie. There's but it no is like another dimension. You know, it's a different. You know, little little side of the character that I you're not guess used it, to it seeing. It always felt more like a like a unique spin on it as opposed to. Um, basically trying to almost <clears throat> retell the, the same thing in a different was there, way. Was there like, a big difference between Elseworlds and What If? Because I never read any of the Marvel's What Ifs, but Elseworlds were always like, what if Batman happened in the 1820s? Yeah, Gotham Elseworlds by were more of a grand gesture yeah, to storytelling, where What Ifs were a slight tweak to like, well, what if this one little tiny, what right. if... Um, Spider-Man kept his cosmic abilities for you know the rest of time. Right. Or what if Jean Grey did never come back any of the times? Right. What if Daredevil wasn't blind and shit like that? It, yeah, like those and those I think were meant to be a little bit more fun. Whereas the Elseworld stuff, like Ian said, was was a more grand gesture. What if Superman landed in Russia? In Russia, right? And it'd be a Caps fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that'll do it see you folks <laughs> all i can think of is him wearing it just opening up the the suit and it's just a fucking <laughs> capitals logo and a ovechkin jersey yeah i i always felt like uh the the elseworld stuff and what if those were meant just to be like more for fun uh to kind of like they were more self-contained they were like one-off type things Whereas this interdimensional stuff like Crisis and and even like the new 52 and like how Rebirth came back. I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff. Now that the stories are going, I'm more interested in that. But trying to explain it away, I don't even want to hear it. I don't care. So what about Ultimate, the Ultimate Universe? Well, again, when that started, that was supposed to be a completely self-contained approach for telling Spider-Man and X-Men stories. And X-Men and Spider-Man were not going to cross over. Then what happens? And they come out with the Ultimates, and then there's crossovers between the Ultimates and Spider-Man and the X-Men, and then there's Ultimatum, because it's getting too big, so they kill well, off half the characters. Like, yeah. Is there no so, merit in any of the stories that they told there? Because some of the best work that Marvel not, did was in the mm, Ultimate Universe. That's not fun for me. Like, I don't like... Like even like even when like when I read Superman stories or like any superhero story from the big two where like Superman is the only superhero. Like I don't like it. Like part of the reason I love superhero comics is the big universe that's been built. Like I don't want Spider Man to just be the only superhero in the ultimate universe. I like that 
there's a real way to tell self-contained Spider-Man stories where all of the villains he faces are problems he can handle and there are bigger things that the X-Men and the Avengers are out doing. I like that, but I also love the idea that there's this huge world out there that all this other stuff is happening in. So, like, it's only natural for me to cross that stuff over. And the Batman and when, villains can run into Superman and vice and versa. And when, like, when I hear there's some story and Batman's like, well, there's no one to call to help, like, lift up this mountain and drop it on something. I'm like, well, that's fucking bullshit because Superman's, like, an hour away. I I, I like the big, the big world building. I'm glad the Ultimate U didn't stick with that. I'm glad they pulled everything together. Well, I like the world building too, but I do think that there was some merit in creating a universe that was self-contained for people that aren't interested in trying to get the the whole story and have to read all the crossover titles, especially like Marvel over the last 10 years. It's been so event-driven and there's so many crossovers. It's like, what if you just want to read fucking Spider-Man? You can't do it. I understand that point, but I think those are two separate things. The event-driven uh, program that Marvel and, mm. to some degree, DC, they what they function on, I mean, that seems like a purely monetary kind of thing. It never serves the story. Whereas if a crossover, just a simple tie-in or crossover, something like that, I think those are fair. Just having characters exist in the right. same world, it, it's a little different than the... Like the the push to have every book tie into another right. book. Um, I think that's where you lose it's fans a, like us, but it's a slippery slope. I feel like I just one crossover could lead to another next thing, you know, event and the idea behind the ultimate universe when it started was these were, that was never going to be an issue right, because right. you were, this was going to be completely accessible for new readers and it was, oh my God, when it, I first read it, it was so good. Both of them, both the X, Ultimate X-Men, mm -hmm. which is the best X-Men I have ever read. That's coming from someone that's not a giant X-Men lover, mm -hmm. but that was the best X-Men I ever read. And Ultimate Spider-Man is arguably the best Spider-Man I ever read, at least initially. So, in spite of the fact that they made the Green Goblin like the Incredible the Hulk, Hulk at first, yeah. which was... Awful, but I want, yeah. Like, I think Bendis kind of learned on the fly that eh, maybe that shouldn't. Do you think he did he play, though? Because he made the Hobgoblin the same thing, you yeah. Know? But eventually, he made the Green Goblin not the Hulk, he made him like intelligent and everything. Oh, yeah, but he was still the Hulk, he was yeah. the abomination, yeah, yeah. So, is that learning <laughs> if you go from Hulk to abomination? But he was still intelligent, you know, like that's fair, yeah. Part of the appeal of the Green Goblin and the Hobgoblin to me was that um, even though in, like the old 80s stories, like they were every everybody was ripped. Everyone had, you know, a bodybuilder's body. They were always kind of like in my head, they were always kind of lanky. They were always kind of built like Peter should have been built like the Flash should mm -hmm. be where he's more lean. Uh, not, not the John Romita Senior, right? Style. Not, not, not giant muscles. Not the ani the animated series, Peter Parker, where he's just been juicing up for fucking years. Right. Um, I like that they were thinner, more nimble, more agile, mm -hmm. because it, it it like it lends to how they can compete against. Peter, like how they can fight him better, like how they mm -hmm. can, like they they just look like they have that natural ability to compete against him and take him down. And there's something to be said where you know this is this big hulking mass that's coming after him, but you know he's got spidey senses, he's got the agility, he's got you know the 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 nimbleness, like he should be able to evade that. But if you're coming right. at him with the same thing, like. I always loved when they were just thinner. It it always it also made them creepier. It made them you know a, a little scarier to me. I didn't like the big the big bulky. Yeah, you know, I guess I can kind of take it on a artist by artist like basis. Um, you know, if it works within the context of uh, of the way the guy is drawing everything, then whatever. But um, getting back to legacy for a little bit. 
So they're going to re- return all the classic heroes. Like, I, I guess Captain America is coming back. Steve Rogers is going to be Captain America. Bruce Banner is going to be the Hulk. I guess Wolverine, Logan is going to be Wolverine. It is so one on. of two sole members of the X-Men. Yeah, now, here's here's something that's kind of interesting. They just relaunched the X-Men. What does Legacy mean to that? I don't know what's happening with the X-Men universe. I don't even know who's going to be in that book. I, I don't either. Um, they're, they're going back to Legacy numbering, which I think is super cool because I love the idea, after all these years, these comic books are going to have the numbers that they should have. You know, like all these ridiculous relaunches and renumberings. And I mean, so what is that going to do to X-Men green or gold? Like, don't know. I would imagine like who what are, they should do. Who's is the just, X-Men cast at this point? Um, I think X-Men or why did I say green and gold? Uh, blue and gold. Um, I thought you were just being sarcastic. Yeah, no, I was being a dummy. I have those two switches, sarcasm and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so... Truth. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, fact check me, please. I'd love it. I'm not looking it up right now, but I think gold is the original X-Men team with the 60s X-Men that were taken from the past and brought forward. And I think the blue is like old man Wolverine and like a bunch of other um, uh, Kitty Pride is in that stuff. one. Oh, I don't okay. know, man. I've oh, seen I, solicitations for that. Yeah. It's like old lady kid. I've, I've thumbed through short hair. Short hair uh, Colossus oh. is in there. Yeah, you're right. Gross. I've thumbed through all the new X-Men books that they've launched. Uh, there's three of them, right? There's there's gold, there's blue, and there's the other one with like the original guys that are kind of young. What's well, up? no, because they rolled those original guys. That was, I think, um, a not astonishing X-Men. Um, they rolled those guys into one of these two teams. Oh, okay. So, I, I, anyway, I looked at all the new X-Men books, and none of them look good to me, including the um, the Inhumans. I hope that X-Men falls into the, the legacy moniker, and, and that even though they just started it, do-over, uh, with hopefully this new kind of f- way of looking at Marvel Comics. You know, it's it's funny the way Marvel is presenting this legacy thing. They they tout it as, you know, we have the best fiction out there and we're excited to bring back the legacy and blah blah blah. It's just such a a, a bullshit spin. Here I got it for the fact checkers out there. X-Men Blue is that original cast. Iceman uh, Cyclops, Beast, Jean Grey, Angel. There you but go. how do they get and back to X- this cast? Is this, is this like the team from the past that came to the future? That is the team from the past that came um, forward. And, and then X-Men Gold is Nightcrawler, Colossus, Kitty Pride, Old Man Logan, Storm, and I can't tell who that is. It looks like maybe Phoenix? Um, like the Phoenix brought from the future back to the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's X-Men. It fucking happens that way. Everybody, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go fuck yourself. Um, yeah, I'm well in current Marvel, you, I, Jean Grey's the, the 30 year old Jean Grey or whatever. She's dead. She's been dead. I don't know what's going on with the, uh, current day version of Angel, I would imagine that Cyclops is isn't Cyclops a bad guy? He's a big asshole. Um, but I thought I do, they killed him. They might have. I know for a fact that both Icemen are exist in this universe. And one's and gay both, and one isn't. One's gay and one. The young one's gay. The old right. one isn't. And then the Beast. Uh, both one's, beasts. One's a cat and one's not, and they both exist. But I'm not sure about Angel. I don't know if he's I've, Archangel I've got, or, or what's going on. I haven't I've read I've got no idea. I'm X-Men surprised I know the status of the beasts and ice men's. Yeah, it's, that's very... Uh, as much as I love my cross-dimensional time traveling, all that nonsense, Ugh. So Matt, it was extremely you sound, hard for me to even explain. <laughs> Matt, you sound like you're taking exception to uh, 
Marvel saying they've got the best yeah. sci-fi out there. Well, let me the best fiction out may, there. May I read the quote from Joe Casada? Oh, I'm excited. The Marvel Legacy Initiative is a celebration of everything that makes Marvel the best in fiction, and it's a signifier of a new era for Marvel Comics. It's a loving look at the heart of Marvel as we embrace our roots and move enthusiastically forward with all the Marvel characters you know and love, starring in the biggest, boldest, best Marvel stories, all of which kicks off with the giant Marvel Legacy special. Now, what I take exception with is uh, it's a loving look at the heart of Marvel, which apparently wasn't important until sales dictated it. And also, um, it's a celebration of everything that makes Marvel the best in fiction. Well, if you're going back to the original characters, the legacy characters, and you're acknowledging that's the best in fiction, what in the world were you doing abandoning the best in fiction for all those years? Yeah, it's a bad PR spin. Um but I'd rather them go back and do it. I'd yeah, rather right. them, you know, say that, yeah, we do have the best characters. It, and would would it be okay if, would that whole statement be all right with you if he said, hey, we made a mistake? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? Here's here's a little bit of the They don't even thing. need to blatantly say no, they made a mistake. They just, like, they just need to be like, hey, you know what? I mean, we all understand it was a business. Right. It's it's a business. Like none of us are children that think like all this shit just fucking happens. Like we get it. We understand what happens. Right. So, you know, just come out and say, you know what? The current line wasn't selling the way we thought it was going to. We're going to shift things around a little bit. Would any be would anyone be upset with that? Is that a big deal? People would like it. People would would feel like, wow, Marvel's being kind of transparent. Because I think Marvel's lost an awful lot of goodwill with the fans. And that would be a huge step toward kind of regaining it. And I think one of the the troubling things about this whole changeover to Legacy is, yeah, this is completely... Uh, a business maneuver on Marvel's parts. It's it's a reaction to crappy sales, and now they have to do this, which is good. But the crappy thing is, these are the same idiots that were running the show. Like I, I'm nervous that we're still going to get crappy stories because Marvel hasn't been making good comics, in spite of the fact, or not in spite of, but regardless of the fact that they switched out all the characters. Like, just bringing characters back isn't going to be an automatic recipe for success. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's going to be a step in the right direction, but I wish, like, Disney would have, like, just said, we're going to do this legacy thing, and we're cleaning house. This is an unacceptable state of affairs for Marvel Comics. That's what I wish would have happened. But... um but, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers. And Ian, just so uh, you know, and the rest of the Spider-Man fans out there, it, uh, it, I think this is Quesada that's still, uh, that I'm still quoting. Um, so Marvel's going to emphasize uh, the storied past in the Marvel Universe and the publisher is mixing in newer characters. So here's the quote. From there, the Marvel Legacy Initiative spreads out across... And when he says from there, he's talking about that big legacy special giant book thing that's going to kick off. Um, From there, the Marvel Legacy Initiative spreads out across the Marvel Universe, showcasing epic storylines hearkening back to the glory days of Marvel, starring... like how he leads with Odin's son, Squirrel Girl, Spider-Man, which I'll take, uh, the Avengers, America Chavez, Iron Man, Moon Knight, the all Guardi- those classic America Chavez stories, right? Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, Luke Cage, the X Men, Captain America, Miss Marvel, um, Deadpool, the Champions, Wolverine. So it sounds like a big mix. It's mm-hmm. it is legacy mixed with the new ones. Whatever and that's that fine. That's fine. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the char- having new characters. There's nothing wrong with having diverse characters. Those are great things, but you can't wholesale change out tried and true properties for political reasons or just for the shit of it because that's what you want to do. Well, that's what the architects decided to do. Right. Marvel knows People that People will now. ditch your shit. 
it's unfortunate that the that the architects at Marvel do not listen to the McSauce comic comic book podcast because if they did, Legacy would have come two or three years ago. That's true. Maybe we need a third switch to smart, like sarcasm, dumb, smart. I don't think it. I think I don't think it would have come to needing a legacy event. Perhaps not. It would have been called. It would have just been like Marvel Comics are pretty good. <laughs> Marvel Comics are still good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we had to fix Marvel Comics, I think. I think that we would not do all the number ones that very blatant money grab style. I get. Of, I'd call it Marvel. Uh, it'd be called McNow. I get that there's a big female push for comics these days. Um, there's a huge, uh, there's a huge side to female fandom that wants more female characters in the spotlight. I think we're seeing it in the Star Wars universe. More so than ever, um, it's it's yeah. Everyone's very receptive of it. They're pushing out more media uh, relating to it, but I don't. It doesn't seem like it's quite um, being a big difference maker in the bottom line in Marvel, because you know, for as many people at conventions are dressing up as Squirrel Girl. And uh, um, you know, she Thor and Kamala Khan doesn't seem to be translating the sales, or else you know Marvel wouldn't be going in such a dramatic change right now. Sales or even legitimate fandom, because I think that the fans that cosplay the ma- not everyone, but the majority of those fans, they just like the images of the comic characters they just like going on tumblr and seeing funny memes of comic book characters saying silly stuff or being put in funny situations or whatever they're not really going to the shop they're not really reading any of them they don't actually know anything about those characters right they just like the way that they look and i think that maybe the publishers need to differentiate who they're trying to sell to are you trying to sell to somebody that's going to like a story that maybe they don't get served up to them on nice, tidy little platter. Maybe they're going to have to go back and read some old stuff so that they can understand the history of the character. Are you going to try to service those person, those people, those new fans? They exist. People like that kind of storytelling. Or are you going to put out a new number one with Gwenny Pool so that people will eat that up and dress like her? Yeah, I noticed Casada didn't say anything about Gwenpool or Spider-Gwen. So that's a good thing. Maybe those... Stupid fucking characters are, are going to die I off. I think there's, like, I think everyone's okay. Um, it, I, I feel like, you know, over the last couple years, like, there's been this, this big, like, shock that, oh my God, we can't have all these white heroes. But I think the bulk of comic book fans, the bulk of real fans, just fans of the material, like, they're okay if Steve Rogers is a white guy. Like, you know, Falcons out there, you know, Batgirls out there, Ms. Marvels out there. There's a lot of other characters that populate that universe that make it diverse. So the most popular names happen to be white guys. So what? Like I think the the bulk of genuine fans of this material understand that that's just how the universe was built like no one's looking at superman and captain america and you know throwing down the patriarchy for that like there are like the real fans get it so just write good stories so long as you're writing good stories you you know you're mixing in you know all of you know all of these different characters it's fine you don't need it no one needs it no one wants it force-fed yeah, I think sometimes they get so wrapped up in, well, we got to make this character as important or in the forefront as we possibly can. When Falcon came onto the scene and uh, Winter Soldier and then got expanded roles in Ant-Man and Civil War, they did weird stuff like they, they turned him into Captain America. Well, shit, man, I didn't want him to become Captain America 
write a good Falcon book. Like, I'll buy that. Falcon that would be, was awesome. Like, that would yeah. be really cool. I think fans of that character would be excited to see a Falcon book, not him take over as Captain America. That's nothing that anyone ever wanted. Because part of what makes Falcon great is that he's the Falcon. Yeah, he's his own character that can stand or fly on his own wings. Like, you don't need to give him a shield and... Fuck yeah. Paint him red, white, and blue. He's fucking cool by himself. You know who is going to like Marvel Legacy better than anyone? Who? Retailers. Retailers are hurting. Go to a comic book store. Look at the, the stacks of Marvel comics that are still on the shelf that aren't selling. Uh... You know, we all know owners of comic book stores and they, they have trimmed their Marvel numbers so badly because of how many they're eating. You know, the comic book stores that I go to, their their DC comics are slaying their Marvel uh, sales. And that's about to change because Marvel's probably going to start out selling DC again. So retailers can thank, really, you know who they have to thank for this? D- DC Comics. That's what I thought. I thought you were going to say us. And us. Mainly us, but then DC if they have... Yes, yes. If Close they, second. If they have any thanks left after they're done uh, worshipping at, at the altar of McSauce, then they can then they can thank DC Comics, who thanks to Rebirth, basically showed what can happen when you give fans what they want. Or want. <laughs> Um, did I say it right that time? Who knows? I think so. So if you give fans what they want, they're going to buy your books and you're going to do well. DC proved it. Marvel is going to obviously copy that and they're going to do well because of it. At least initially they have to continue to make good stories, but man, I mean, I'm excited, a little nervous because same idiots that put Marvel in the bad place that they were in, but still hopeful. So real quick, like the whole reason why we're seeing Marvel Comics do bend over backwards to change around their heroes is to appeal to maybe a comic book fan that doesn't actually exist or or in their mind is underserved, but I think they don't exist. The biggest fear in comic books is that once this set of fans that are kind of our age or a little bit older, once we age out of collecting comic books, comic books will go away. Do you guys feel that that's true? That comics are no longer for any kids and kids won't understand them and there's too many other things for kids to do. They, They don't need comic books anymore. Do you think that there is no younger generation? I don't think so, man. I mean, there are more different comic books today than there's ever been, ever. So, to suggest that comic books are going to go away, that I feel like that's a weird prediction to say now, considering how... Like, look at the comic book stores, man. There's so many different books. They might not always be superheroes as... Is the uh, superhero craze eventually dies down and the movies aren't as popular? Maybe you'll see a lot less superhero comics, but it's just going to get replaced with other fiction. I mean, people like being reading. People like you know new stories, whatever it is, zombies or sci-fi superheroes. And it's easier to get comic books now than it's ever been. You don't actually have to walk into said scary comic book store you can do do right. it right on your ipad it's and they look beautiful the yeah it's a unique thing on right the iPad. like it's the art and the and the story together there, there's no other way to enjoy that medium you know people love art and they like reading so it's it's the perfect medium for some people for yeah. us i mean it's comic comics aren't gonna be that uh that you know everybody went and got comics thing that they were in the 50s they're not going to be you know the big collector's boom of the 90s ever again and there's you know there's probably going to be even more of a decline in sales for the the big two slash big three but uh like this kind of like sequential storytelling and like the way the artwork's done i can't imagine that it's 
going to go away entirely. This kind of thing is going to be around forever because it's it's a unique way of telling stories and art in general. Yeah, it, it'll be here long. And after not just we're like gone. the actual drawing art of it, but like the art of the writing, you know, and you know, you know, the colors and the lettering, all of it. It's it's a you know big artistic collaborate collaborative endeavor that I think. Um, a lot of people are really going to be interested in for a long time. Paul, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Ian, do you have any parting thoughts? I think you guys, you said it all. You, everything that I was going to say, you wrapped it up. You put a nice little comic book bow on it. Says boom, pow. Well, you know what? We are nothing if not uh, a positive hope for the future here at the McSauce Podcast. Where did that? That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time. <laughs>